1: Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I am your host, Joe Haggerty. Uh, I think this is the 41st episode, I want to say, of the Pucks with Hags podcast. I always got to check and go back and figure it out, but we're somewhere in there, 41, 42. Either way, we're happy that you're listening with us today. Um, we got my buddy and longtime colleague, Mick Collagio, with me today to talk about some current events with the Bruins. And actually, this is going to be a mailbag episode where we're answering a lot of questions. So, Mick, please tell everybody where they can find your work
2: oh yeah okay My, thanks joe uh rinkrapmc.com mc m as in Mick, c as in collagio rinkrapmc.com and i link to it on x twitter and uh i've also uh now in uh, boston hockey now helping out our
1: friend murph congrats on the uh, the new gig by the way um and, yeah, yeah hockey
2: news as well
1: good uh and let's give us some love to our sponsors FanDuel Sportsbook uh right now with the NFL in full swing I actually lost a fantasy football game last weekend because Russell Wilson knelt down three times before they kicked the game-winning field goal so the lost rushing yardage that I lost on three kneel downs for Russell Wilson lost my fantasy football game uh but the point is uh, not to throw Rus- Russell Wilson under the bus or vent my frustration about, fan- and it was I lost to my dad who has been gloating about it ever since uh, after the Monday night uh, extravaganza. So, uh, but the point is that the NFL is still in full swing. Uh, all the betting, all the fantasy leagues, all the crazy stuff is going on. Uh, so, go to FanDuel uh, Sportsbook and get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. Uh, go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to kick things off there. And let's also thank our other sponsor, uh, Factor Meals, Amer- America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Delicious flavor-packed options on the menu, 550 calories per serving, ready in two minutes. Uh, they've got protein-plus meals with 30 grams of protein. The stuff is really healthy, and it's really delicious. Uh, So head to factormeals.com slash HAGS50 and use the code HAGS50 to get 50% off of your first box. And with that, let's get into the mailbag. We're going to go straight into this. We're not going to talk any current events, anything that's going on right now, Mick. We're just going to answer questions uh, that people have had in front of us. And uh, we've got some good ones because I actually...
2: Go, go, Mr. HAGS.
1: That's right. We actually had, uh, I had my first on uh, my Substack account um uh, joehaggerty.substack.com, uh they have a feature where you can do chats with your subscribers your followers whatever uh so i actually did one during the game last night and we had maybe like 10 people in there just like firing questions having a conversation while the game was going on it was pretty fun and most of the questions actually came from uh that chat so um i will start with one of those right now um hags uh and this i I gotta admit this is before last night's game hags lindholm hurt doesn't look like the same player as he did during the regular season last year it looks like the veteran the version we saw against florida and that is from michael tenney uh pucks with hags uh substack subscriber um thank you michael for the the question i appreciate it and like I, i don't i don't think he looks hurt And certainly he looked better Uh, again last night. He started to look a little bit better. He had a goal last night, his first goal of the season. He played 22 minutes, uh, was second to Charlie McAvoy on ice time. Uh, And I really think um, we talked about this with uh, Jim Montgomery the other day, and I thought his explanation, his answer, his reasoning behind some of what we're seeing with the defenseman, I thought was right on. And it's that the Bruins don't have the puck as much as they did last year in the offensive zone. Uh, I I don't a I don't think they have as much much puck possession and as much control and sort of dominant possession in the offensive zone, and b I think the defensemen are at times probably a little quicker to bail uh, now because there's a lot of the puck goes in and it goes right out again going the other way uh, rather than you know getting into the offensive zone, getting set, taking risks, feeling like they can do that. I think the defensemen feel a little less of that uh, confidence in being able to do that this year, um, partially because the, the you know the centermen that they had are gone that were leading that puck possession and keeping the uh, puck in the offensive zone quite a bit, and also being that third defender um, as a center, that two hundred foot defender that you need as a center to help out your defensemen. Maybe there's a little less. Um, trust going on right now where they're you know f- rolling up their sleeves and really taking risks in the offensive zone so i think that's definitely part of it and i also do think that um lindholm did not get off to the greatest start maybe his confidence got hurt a little bit in the playoffs last year because that <laughs> that was certainly a humbling stretch even though he was hurt uh, against florida uh mick your thoughts on Hampus lindholm um have you seen glimmers of him playing, you know, hit the guy you saw last year? Why do you think that is? And your hope that he's going to revert back to a guy last year that got Norris Trophy votes from people.
2: Um, And he started out last year without McAvoy. Yep. Um, he started playing really well since McAvoy went out of the lineup. Yep. And if we were a toxic duo here, we could try <laughs> to feed into that. But we won't because it's silly. And the one thing that I'll say is that um, I do think Lindholm's been playing better lately, more aggressive. I feel like he's been yep. jumping in as the fourth man on the attack more recently. I yep. feel like that's a strength of his game. I do feel like overall the Bruins do not move uh, the puck out of their own end with the same um, confidence, confidence, uh, As they did last season at this time, I do think that some of that's a function of pro scouting video and teams knowing what those tendencies and systems were that they were learning about the Bruins at this time last year. They are being rushed and they have a hard time getting the puck back because teams went to school on what Paul Maurice had the Florida Panthers do to them in the playoff series last year where they rimmed the puck hard around the zone and and get the Bruins out of their cluster in order to get them out to the perimeter to try to break up the network in which they like to play. So it's it's a tough decision for the Bruins. And Kevin Shattenkirk mentioned this to me in a little one-on-one we had uh, preseason that he noticed just that he said, it's hard for us to get to our system when teams' opponents get into a lot of rimming. Of the puck and and uh, and so we're seeing more teams do it this year. I knew for sure that teams would go to school on what Florida did last year. I didn't really know how they would go to school on it, but that's the primary way they've done. So I just think it's harder for the Bruins to get the puck back. And once they do get it back, teams are trying to find ways to disrupt them, and they're better at it. And I think that's good because it forces the Bruins to be better at what their style will ultimately be. Uh, in order to counteract that and have a competitive response to that, something we didn't see in the playoffs last year. So um, I, I think that even though you, yeah, you're missing two legendary centermen, I had this long-time theory. You cannot win the Stanley Cup without a defenseman who can improvise the transition. Yeah. This is something that the team needs to have. Well, then who was that player on the Bruins? in 2011 well it was actually Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci for two-thirds of every hockey game that's who's yep. their puck moving defenseman those guys went all the way back and their stats their stats suffered because of it they were barely point a game players and the reason they were is because they went all the way back and participated 100% in the breakout yep. and played the 200-foot game even with the puck
1: yep, they did. and and, you know, and but they're also both excellent puck possession players, you know, yep. like they always were. and that's that's something that's an area where uh, it's not going to show up as much in the statistics necessarily. Um, you know, skies are still getting goals that, you know, Zaka, I think has played pretty well. Some of the guys have played pretty well in in replacing them just from an individual statistical standpoint. But I think the the places where you're going to miss them is just the sheer puck possession that you had uh, advantages against other teams, night in, night out, pretty much every single game. It's just not there as much. And we saw this in the preseason too. Like this is not a surprise. Um, you know, they were getting outshot in all the preseason games, you could see the puck possession was, you know, not as tilted in their favor, certainly as it used to be. And, and off times would be tilted in the other uh, favor, and I just think the presence of their lat their the presence gone being gone affects the defenseman psychologically. You know, yes, you know teams are rimming pucks and and they're doing different strategies and their scouting reports and all that. But at the end of the day, um, if you've got good enough players, it doesn't matter what strategy they're employing. You're going to be able to combat it uh, and and hold on to the puck and keep it in the zone and enforce your will on a- another team in the offensive zone. Um, it becomes more effective when you don't have the same personnel that you used to have. Uh, I got to say
2: too right now, too, that Brad Marchand this year has been tremendous. Yeah. Not only is he moving like like the Brad Marchand prior to the uh, deterioration in his body that necessitated the double labrum surgery that yep. he spent most of last season recovering from, he is also making very strong decisions with the puck in his own end. He used to take all kinds of risk at this time of year and turn it over and cause great A's the other way, right and left. And meantime, taking all of his sinister notes so he can torch these guys later when it matters. Now this year, he's not doing that. He's really taking care of the puck and making great plays. And that's helped them a great, great deal because he's raised his game in that end of the rink. Uh, in order to get the Bruins uh, safely out of their zone on many an occasion uh, when they used to rely on Bergeron to do that for them.
1: Yeah, and he still has that, you know, see it at times in the offensive zone. He's got that determination like he's feeling it and he's going to try to skate through three guys and get to the net. And sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. He's not making bad turnovers when he does, you know, decide to do that. Uh, but you can see that ability back again where Mike wasn't explosively there as much last year where he could make the quick, uh, you know, turns and, and the the edge work to get through everybody uh, and get through multiple defenders and get take it all the way to the net and still get a strong shot off. You're seeing that that's definitely back and, and that danger and that ability to do that for him uh, is definitely there. So uh, no question.
2: Too. Pass is
1: better that way too. Yep. Pass is turning over the puck less
2: making better decisions and not putting his team in danger with nearly the frequency that he used to. The both, the both those guys have really played well.
1: Yep. I agree uh, with pasta. You know, I think some of that is just going to happen by virtue of his game though. We're going to see times where he's going to make bad decisions or he's going to have turnovers in bad spots and, you know, it'll come and go. and And I do think like, you know, as as sloppy as they were against Montreal the other night, he had 20 shot attempts in that game. You know, he had like 11 shots blocked. Just, just you know, that dash in the the score sheet alone was 11. It was, you know, the, the amount of uh, pucks he was able to get off, the amount of action that he was in, and uh, he was in the middle of everything. Like some of the time I thought he was settling for shots when he could have you know, made a second move yeah. or done something yeah. to get around them. And I think that was part of the problem. And maybe that was part of the mental fatigue that Jim Montgomery was talking about is if you're not, you know, quite as tired and your decision making's not as uh, clouded, you know that you've got these defenders blocking your shots and you can make a fake go around them and and either set up a teammate or get a better shot for yourself rather than settle for whatever you were getting right in that moment. And I think things like that is definitely what he was referenced to, referencing. Uh, when he when he's he talked become about the it.
2: most fluid player in the league and the world at showing pass and shooting the puck yep he's, he's just it's hard to know where that increment is that one changes into the other he's really getting great at it
1: yep um all right let's get on to the next question uh the the sky isn't falling this is an interesting shift for Monty. I wonder how this is being perceived in the room. Not saying there are cracks in the room and leadership issues, but in the last few days, Monty has called out his captain for a dumb unsportsmanlike penalty against the Habs and now stopped a, p- a sloppy practice drill to bagscape the team. Not saying Marshy is the issue, but you got to wonder if this would have happened with Bergie. Something tells me we are about to see a more feisty rat like Brad Marchand and turning up the dial a bit. He's going to need everyone pulling on the rope, too um i i think that i I, putting the marsh stuff aside because i do think um look somebody at at certain points during the season there are going to be players especially if you're one of the most penalized teams in the league there are somebody's going to have to step up and say hey what's going on and and voice some kind of problem whether it's the coach whether it's the player you know there's going to be times where i think that's going to be required or and to be honest with you, after Marchand uh, got the unsportsmanlike and complained, they got a few calls after that. They ended up getting two minor penalties called on the same shift against Montreal and ended up getting like a two man advantage for most of uh, a power play that they had after that happened. Um, so you could make the argument that it actually worked what he did um, and it was effective. But uh, bottom line with all of this is. That game
2: annoyed me because the officials called a different game in the third period than they did well, through. Of course. Years. And of course, game, and and there was there was several attack, penalty calls. calls after the damage is done, and there now was, you're overly managing the game, and it's no. Like, you know, keep and there was called,
1: let us leave with dignity. L's there were several penalties called in that game that were ridiculous, anyway. Like I, I they, they were well within their uh, bounds to be complaining about some of the penalties that were called in that game that were either phantom penalties or just bad calls. Um, but the bottom line with all of this is. The re and the reason I you know wanted to answer this question is that uh, the shift is real for Jim Montgomery. There is no question about it. Um, You know, and I made the comparison. I almost said he was kind of like a hockey coach version of Mister Rogers last year, where everything was positive, everything was good. Uh, You know, he never discouraging word really was said about anybody and anything. And I think it was very much uh, kept to the positive tip. And I think that's what patrice bergeron wanted and i think that was the discussion between captain and coach uh before the season started is that's what the team needed that's what they wanted that's not what they got with bruce cassidy and they wanted a softer more positive you know um glass half full kind of uh attitude and i think montgomery brought that uh, last year but i think with the changing of the captain. With what happened in the first round of the playoffs against Florida, with Monty now more comfortable after having a year under his belt and sort of reading the room, reading what he has, uh, he's definitely had a firmer uh, approach and tone this year. There is no question about a much more traditional hockey coach tone, uh, whether it was calling out the team when they got to the West Coast in California, saying, you know, what they were bringing to practice wasn't good enough and they were going to get embarrassed against a team like the Sharks if they didn't, you know, tighten things up. Um, whether it's, you know, talking about in, 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 making himself accountable for, you know, the bench penalty that they got, um, a few games ago, uh, complaining to the refs, uh, about what they, you know, they didn't like some of the calls that they were seeing out there, uh, to the bag skate and him being very critical after the Montreal loss and how kind of sloppy, uh, the team was and, and, uh, you know, all of the different areas where they weren't good enough against the Canadians. And then, you know, the next time they practice on Monday, we, you know, we were there, they're in the middle of a drill. I think they're in the middle of a small area three-on-three three drill that they've done quite often. It's a drill I really like, uh, where they have to make a pass in the D in the D zone three-on-three three, uh, before they can clear it to the next the new threesome that's waiting down the other end of the ice. You pass it to them, then they go on offense. You're out, and the team that was on offense goes on defense. Um, and they've done that drill a few times, and I really like it. And he does it to encourage like quick passes and, and quick transitions to get out of the defensive zone and to get it up ice and to get it offensively, get it going offensively. But clearly he didn't like what he saw. Very like It was probably less than a minute or two into the drill when all the pucks went away. They lined up uh, and they started doing this crisscross conditioning drill that was clearly bag skate-esque. It was only about 10 minutes. It wasn't very long. Uh, But I think the point was was made that, you know, what they were bringing in practice wasn't good enough. And if they wanted to skate and not have pucks, they were going to skate instead uh, if they didn't bring their very best to the drills. And they they weren't crisp and exactly the way uh, Montgomery expected them to be. And uh, Mick, I can't tell you the last time I saw any kind of a bag skate like that during a regular season practice. Like My you see,
2: some, you see, <laughs> you see three years ago.
1: Yeah. You see some conditioning stuff during training camp. No doubt about it. Like the couple times they do those skates where the guys are like dragging ass at the end of it, when they're racing up and down the, I remember that guy, Greenway, the huge Greenway, uh, the younger brother of the guy that plays in Minnesota. Yeah. I was trying to hook on as a defenseman with the Bruins a few years ago, changing mm-hmm. positions. And I remember him just absolutely dragging ass behind everybody else at the end of the conditioning and training camp uh you know he was having a rough time but that stuff is very challenging for them but you do not see that during the regular season they stay away from that stuff almost always and that's not something bruce cassidy really ever did with the bruins that's not something i remember chloe julian really doing uh with the bruins in practice uh certainly i don't i don't remember seeing that under the captaincies of patrice bergeron and zidane ochara really um so it was interesting to see that yesterday, and you know, on the one hand, I like that he's doing this, and I certainly think it it's it's what you have to do at the NHL level. You can't be like super positive, like everything's great, everything is awesome all the time approach. Uh, and I think we saw that that didn't work when it came to you know nut crunching time in the playoffs.
2: And it may uh, not even be punitive. It may be a thing where listen, we're not getting done here. What I want to see. And I need to heighten their awareness as to the tempo that I'm looking for here, and what's going to get us from point A to point B. And, and but 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 it, but it, but, but it is
1: punitive getting that message across. You're doing it because you're doing a drill they don't like, so that's punitive. You know what I mean? Like the message you're sending is by having them skate with no pucks because they don't like doing that, and it's you know it, it's exhausting to them. So it is punitive. Yeah. It's yeah, just not know you know. It, but it's getting the message across. Like he's he tried Monty tried to tell us after the practice it had something to do with the sports science people telling them that you know whatever. And I, I don't agree with that. I don't I think that was him trying to cover for his players and not have it go out there as being a bag skate. It was a bag skate. The players knew it, the players talked about it afterwards. Clearly there was a message sent across. But like the point I want to make is like I like that he's doing this, and I think you have to do this at times. And I I really it's like the ultimate hockey coach thing to do that when you're 11, one and two and to be demanding when things are going well. And you could be Ryan Hyde in the hog and thinking that you're, you know, the NHL's best team and all this other stuff is going on. And I wonder if like, if they struggle a little bit, if he's going to bring out the positivity and a little bit more, and it's going to be one of those things where he cracks the whip when things are going really well. And then he edges off of it when, you know, the real hard times hit or the That's dog amazing. days hit.
2: Maybe. But as a parent young children, it you probably, you know, thinking a little subconsciously about that too well yeah but i think think most hockey coaches you don't want them to be wiley coyote and be 100 feet off the edge of the cliff and still and haven't realized where they are yet right but i
1: think i I
2: agree but a record can do a lot of lying when your goaltending is this good
1: yes And, and i think but i think good hockey coaches do that i think good hockey coaches will pick their spots to do either one of those things and i think he's showing this year like I honestly think Jim Montgomery's doing a better job this year than he did last year when he won the Jack Adams already. Like I'm already seeing him um, um, uh, making much more impactful decisions, doing things, uh, you know, pushing the buttons at the right times and really showing a, a great feel for when he has to do these things. But, you know, my question being though, like it's going to be interesting, you know, if we see this happen, this kind of something like this happen a few times, if it gets the same response or doesn't, you know, I I just wonder how many times you could do something like this, and maybe this will only be a one-time thing because I know they had like what three days off before they play Montreal, four days off, uh, so they knew they were gonna so be it's able. It's a to real
2: light them. week, yeah, yeah.
1: So it gave them an opportunity to do something like that in a practice that's not gonna come when they're playing three and four. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but I just wonder how long term how the team is gonna respond if there's more of an edge to the way Jim Montgomery coaches like we've seen early in the season here.
2: I don't know, man. You know, it, not everybody will respond the same way, too. And and yep. that may influence what happens at the trade deadline. You know, it, I mean, sometimes players respond well to the coach, and, and it may be a situation where he's not going to go. He is likely to coddle somebody this year as right. last year. Since, you know, I think that the Bruins – I kind of feel like, listen, we believe in our goaltending, we believe in our defense, and our offense is going to have to overachieve. They did not my word, not theirs, but yep. I do think that that's the mentality right now, and and the pillars of that offense right now, those guys are playing really well, yeah. And uh, and for the most part, the honest effort is there. Uh, there's been guys that I didn't expect much from that have been pretty solid. And and guys that I hope would be solid and have been and other guys that that I expected more from this year that haven't really done uh, played well. And, uh, you know, and how they respond going forward, it may affect that will be I'm most interested in how those players respond to the coach as we go forward if their seasons are not going well, Jake DeBruska.
1: I was just gonna say, I feel like you're referencing a certain player, Mick, and his name is Jake Tupresk. Uh he's Not it, alone, but
2: he's but he's definitely,
1: yes. he's
2: definitely, uh, you know, I mean, how do how do ignore it right now?
1: It is, and you know, I I do think Monty has continued to put him out there a lot, and continued to you know. Uh, roll him out there and not uh, really curtail his minutes certainly not scratch him or bench him for long stretches uh and it hasn't gotten to that point and, and there may be some hesitancy to do so just given you know his history with um bruce cassidy and what happened before he got there all right everybody we're smack dab in the middle of the nfl season you know what that means that means more time for you to get involved with FanDuel Sportsbook. that's right uh the NFL season is in full swing. Even the NHL season is in full swing as well. So you should be getting uh your wallets out and you should be getting involved with the excitement that is FanDuel Sportsbook. Scor- score early in this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book and the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Network right now, new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. That's a hundred and fifty bucks, people. If your team wins, so if you have a good feeling and you know, um, let's say you you're betting. Uh, all your money on the team that's playing the patriots because you think the other team's going to win and the patriots are going to lose that's been a smart bet all season you do that you get 150 bucks from uh from fanduel sportsbook how do you like that if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in the action than right now the app is extremely easy to use it's a wide range of betting options that include spreads player props over unders so much more the app is great uh it's it's very easy to use um, So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season and do it right. Right now with FanDuel Sportsbook because they got your back and they're going to give you 150 bucks in bonus bets if you win that $5 bet. Mass 21 and plus present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire 7 days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling Helpline or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24/7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Um, but the, the, uh, this leads into another, the next question, uh, from Mary O'Connell, who was on the, um, Pucks with Hag Substack uh, chat last night and just basically asked what is wrong with the brusque with three question marks at the end of it. And, um, I think you make, you please take this one because, I uh, you know, one goal in 14 games is one goal in 14 games, um, as talented as he is. Uh, this is not the start that he would have wanted in a contract year for sure. Uh, But here we are, uh, you know, over a month into the season.
2: If I see a guy who last year, before he got injured, winning the Winter Classic for the Bruins at Fenway Park, going to the net, taking the hacks and the wax, putting his body in harm's way, I've seen a lot less of that this year. This looks to me like Jake DeBrusque before he gets put up in the ninth floor next to Eric Holla, uh by Bruce Cassidy. This room, this I feel is, I feel like we're getting the Jake DeBrusque who wants to swoop in and surprise the game and quickly come upon it without warning. And be in and out of it before anybody knew he was there in the pucks in the net. Sure, it's a great way to play a hockey game if you can get away with it. Uh, But it's, uh, you know, not everybody's Bobby Ryan. And Bobby Ryan wasn't very good for much of his career either. And Jake DeBrusque, at his worst, is that kind of player. Although just not as good as Bobby Ryan was at it. In this case, Jake DeBruess has really come a long way, and he's become um, a very solid two-way player who can p- play through the game, which for him comes with a price. He gets the heck beat out of him. Similarly, up front way, Matt Grizzlick gets beat up in the back end. And he has to, but in DeBruess' case, you choose those pathways more than you do as a defenseman. And in his case... Uh, we haven't really seen that full all out version of Jake DeBrus that we saw in the first half of last season before he got injured. Um, I have yet to see it. I've seen it maybe like a a quick bit here, a quick bit there. Maybe there's something there. Maybe he's at the net. Maybe he's trying to make something happen and Monty's protecting him right now. The last quote I heard was, there's nothing wrong with Jake's game. The puck's going to go in. I have no complaints. You know, Uh, Maybe he's coming along more than than I realized because I didn't like what I was seeing in camp or at the beginning of the season. He just didn't feel present to me. I don't if the puck doesn't go in, that's not going to decide how I feel about Jake DeBrusque. It's going to be whether or not he's present. And and, uh, I feel like he can't they cannot afford passengers and uh, it's a more or less thing it's not either or and i do feel like while this is a better version of him than we had before the trade request it's it's uh it's a more mature version of him but it's not the version we saw a year ago at this time
1: it is not but i would also say that um i think you can't discount who he's playing with either in the situation that he's in this year and i think a big part of it is uh, he was playing right wing with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron last year. That is a plumb seat uh, in the, among the forward line uh, to be playing with those kind of players. And I think he saw more room uh, with the puck uh, because of the two players he was playing with. And he got more opportunities because of the two players that he was playing with. And he, you know, had less defensive scrutiny on him because of the two players that he was playing with. And I think you can't really discount that. And I, that's why I was very curious to see how he was going to do this year. Cause I did feel like the season that he had, uh, and the numbers that he was putting up, he would have had 30 goals if he didn't get hurt in the winter classic and, and like all the more power to him, because we've also seen, um, other players that have not excelled in that spot. Um, uh, you know, who comes to mind is, uh, was Brett Conley. Was that his name? The guy they traded uh for from Tampa Bay, um oh, who's a first yeah. round pick. Yeah. Remember that? He, yeah, got he in-
2: was he was a guy that, yeah, they were thinking like, okay, maybe he can will maybe what didn't happen for him in his career so far will happen with us. Well and, and it, it he, he with him anywhere, really. He
1: got he got put in that right wing spot with those two players, and he just really couldn't do anything with them. And I think they lost confidence in him and you could see it when they were playing together. Yeah. Um I you know. DeBrusque excelled in that spot. So give him all the credit in the world for that. But it was a different assignment this year. You know, he wasn't playing with them anymore. And maybe he was going to play on the strong side. Maybe he wasn't, but he certainly wasn't going to be playing in the same, you know, spot with the same advantages that he had last year. And he's on in a position right now playing with Matt Potra and Danton Heinen or whoever in sort of a more of a third line kind of thing um, where he's going to have to drive the line more you know he's going to be have to be the one that is the impact player really on that line and the guy that is um getting shots on net getting scoring chances scoring goals and you know he hasn't been able to do that and and i think you know it's interesting because i think it gives you a more of a read on the player on his value on whether you should be willing to go like 6 million 6.5 million whatever you know on a long-term contract whatever he's probably going to get end up getting uh, on the free agent market and it gives you insight as to whether he's worth that kind of money or not and you know I I I think the other part of this with Jake DeBrusque is I feel like he's a guy that thinks a lot about everything I think he's very self-aware I think he's very willing to take accountability and responsibility for things I think he knows exactly how many goals he has and he knows exactly how many games he's played and he knows what the expectation is. And I think he knows the situation he's in where it's a contract year. And I think all that stuff, he's not the kind of player that I think is going to excel, is going to be able to comp- compartmentalize and is just going to be able to put up huge numbers and just rake in the cash. Like I, I felt like going into this year, if he wasn't signed, he was the kind of player that was going to feel the pressure a bit. And if he didn't get off to a fast start, it was going to like snowball on him a little bit. And I think we were starting to see that a little, um, you know, I hope he turns it around because I really like Jake. He's a good kid. And, and you know, the, the talent is certainly there, but I, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of things going on right now and none of them are, are particularly good for him uh, uh, in terms I mean, there's of there's the factors around
2: guys, him. Yeah. There's two ways that guys respond to, to offensive struggles. One way is you overthink the game, and and you you spend you get kind of wrapped up in it, and and talking to people like us about that does not help. No. Um, and so I totally I totally understand why players don't like discussing this stuff. Uh, two, uh, option B is, what can you do for the team while the puck's not going in the net? Right. Hit somebody. Do some things that you are capable of doing. It doesn't mean you doesn't mean you rick talk it. It just means that you're that you can be uh, a, uh, the most useful version of yourself and compete. And and uh, and to me, uh, that's really what I'd like to see. Not just because he has to prove his medal. It's really more that in order for him to get himself, yeah, in a better frame of mind and get himself to a place where the pucks are going to wind up hitting his knees and going in. Yeah. It's, it's going to be through finding ways to compete in the game. And hopefully he continues to imagine scenarios on the ice while he's in the middle of the game where, Oh, I'm not going to be able to go through three guys here. Fine. You make a smart play and then do what you can do and compete. Keep finding ways to compete. Uh, he be a free thinker out there and, and within within the confines of Monty's uh, system and strategy, and and, uh, and and go go get go get the puck that got chipped in, or or you know win an icing, just just find ways to that there's always pathways for your com- compete level to find uh, its its maximum output, you know even if even if, if you're not getting the outcomes you want um, statistically.
1: Yeah, and I think it's about making an impact when the puck's not going in the net. Bottom right. line, like doing yeah. something to help the team win when when you're going through a stretch where the puck isn't going in. And I think this has always been uh, a criticism of of Jake throughout the years is that when he goes through the stretches like he does, where he's streaky and uh, when the puck's not going in, um, you know, he tends to not do enough to to make himself known out on the ice or to really make an impact. And, you know, now he kills penalties and he does some other things. So there are some areas where he contributes uh, mm. more than he did in the past, but still, you know, like the flybys aren't good enough. Like the,
2: you No, you got know, to, no, you, no. you
1: got you to gotta,
2: you gotta really go to the nth degree and really push and, and, uh, and, you know, and you might not get your result right away. It might not happen for a month. Who knows? But, if, but if, but, but the coach is never going to complain about a guy who's, who's uh, finding, Oh, you know, a place where you can compete that you go at it all away. That's yep. that's going to help the Bruins. It's going to help him, and 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 I'd like to see his mind just kind of relax a little more and and just kind of you know go gangbusters and not worry about whether the puck goes in off of his stick and just just go be a good go be a good hockey player.
1: We do have factor meals uh, to help us out america's number one ready to eat meal kit when it does get busy when it does get crazy when we do need a a quick meal uh, they fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready to eat meals delivered straight to your door takes less than two minutes to cook them they're fresh never frozen meals ready in two minutes like i said Uh, they have calorie conscious options going upscale with some of the things they're offering now like surf and turf surf and surf meal options roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and Cajun spiced shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 plus chef prepared dietitian approved weekly options for meals. Uh, you can get snacks, you can get breakfast items like it's 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 a great deal. Um, so if you want to get factor meals, uh, go to factormeals.com hags50 and use the code hags50 to get 50% off of your fir- first box. It's a great deal uh you know i've tried it it's fantastic i recommend it to you we love these ready to to make meal kits especially when we're we're on the go with our kids so one more time that's factormeals.com hags50 to get 50 percent off your first box you won't be sorry if you go to factor meals it gets the hags thumbs up seal of approval Jay Gold's 2004 asks uh, on Twitter asks when the hell is Lucic coming back? Uh, Jim Montgomery told us earlier this week, he had, it's sort of a bit of a setback. I believe he tried to skate. I don't think it went well. He's about a week behind where he was going to be. Um, So it's probably a few, a week or two before we're going to see him at the very least Um, after taking the Derek forward shot off his ankle. uh, Clearly it was a painful, uh, painful thing. Um, but you know, I I think a game like last night where it got a little nasty is definitely a game where you missed him a little bit. There was a a point in that game where, um, uh, Brad Marchand got hit with a reverse hit uh, from Rasmus Dahlin. And it was a great reverse hit, completely legal, good, hard play knocked, uh, Marchand off, uh, off his skates. And that turned into a scuffle. And during that scuffle, um, Dylan Cozens grabs uh, Pasternak b- from behind and throws uh-huh. him down to the ice while uh, you know the brave the and courageous. Basta Basta went in
2: there. went in there to, to, uh, at, to respond. And and cousins, yeah. okay, you are going in? I'm going in. And, and, and but cousins Dylan,
1: cousins has got, Dylan Cousins, Dylan Cousins is got a friggin' bubble on because Garnett Hathaway worked him like uh, a, a few games ago, I and saw that too. yeah, you know, yeah. It, it, it worked him over because you know he didn't check the score sheet and realize who he was going up against, right? Uh, and he got a bunch of knuckle sandwiches to the face, so now he's got a, a bubble on his face. But like that, you know, that that's the kind of situation where I fully expected Frederick was going to go after cousins for doing something like the, that to Posternak. um and granted he's not going to fight he's got a bubble on but still like you know somebody do something to him to send a message like you're not going to do that to our leading scorer and one of I our think, best i think i
2: think it'll happen down the seasons long enough it that should be discussed yeah but it,
1: but it but the point being it's probably going to happen because lucic is going to be back and he was watching the game and he saw what happened and you know he's going to be the one to send a message and um, when Lucic isn't there, it would be nice if Frederick stepped up and did that, uh, sometimes and you, you were hoping that Lucic being around this year might be a positive impact on Frederick to, to be that kind of guy a little bit more often.
2: Well, and, I don't know, maybe, maybe he wanted to and was called off, you know, maybe he wanted to and was told, no, uh, you know, I mean, the, we, we do have seen footage of him on social ice level camera when England wants to go with somebody. Off a face off, and you can hear Frederick yelling at him, uh, You want to go? I go. You want to go? You go with me. I go. They line up. They fight. Frederick wins. This is yep. a knockout. And, yep. uh, and you know, it goes off the ice. Woo! You know, it's it's uh, pretty impressive that, that Frederick stepped up in CNN England, was mouthing off at somebody in the Bruins like he was trying to get something going. And Frederick stepped in and said, you know, I'm the guy right yep. here. And, and I, so, so I, I, you know, I like I really to see that. I guess that, that uh, Frederick uh, either didn't have opportunity or was told uh, stand down.
1: Yeah, I guess. I I hate that if it was stand down, you know, they, like they're winning 3 nothing, They're beating the bejesus out of Buffalo. There's no reason to stand down there. Buffalo wasn't going to win that game last night. They look like they didn't want to be there. And this actually leads into uh, the next question. Um, What's wrong with the Sabres extend bill <laughs> on Twitter. I'm here to admit that I am one of the idiots that thought Buffalo was going to take the leap this year and be a playoff team. And I, you know, I thought Buffalo was going to threaten uh, for a playoff spot in the Atlantic division two this year. Uh, and maybe they still will. They certainly have the talent. Um, but I'm here to tell you that the team that I watched last night, that Sabres team uh, was not in it from the first drop of the puck. And uh, looked like the same old Sabres. I mean, Owen Power just got absolutely schooled last night. He and Connor Connor Clifton must have been the most miserable guy on the ice, like watching the Bruins bus leave after the game was over last night. Like, take me with you, please. Cliffy, um, Cliffy was minus three. He was. He was a was minus three. Minus he was with Owen Power, and Owen Power was a disaster. It was really – Cliffy was a minus three, but Owen Power was the reason he was a minus three, because Owen Power was awful. Uh, he got beaten to inside ice by Danton Heinen on the first goal of the game. He had that horrible turnover, like a gift wrapped it to Oscar Steen for the goal, the goal that he scored, just threw it to him right out of the corner in the front of the net. Uh, would just absolutely struggle bus in his own zone all night long for Owen Power. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I do wonder. Well, that's now, the thing, when you're playing young players, you're
2: playing young players on defense. You, you, it's not linear. You can yep. have a pretty good, encouraging. So Mason Lowry looks great right now, right? And yeah, the end of the season, my people might be saying, "Whatever happened to Mason Lowry? I thought he was good." It's it's that's, that's development, and and uh, yep. and that's that's why they got to be cautious. In a case like uh, whether they say, "Okay, we're going forward, with Lowry. And we're going to be great now. Top four is going to be awesome because he's never going to look back." You know, I, he'll look back a couple of times. and and uh and i still think power is going to be a good player for buffalo but of course these are the hiccups are developing on the job
1: yep and it's a tough position to be in like defenseman you're going to get exposed sometimes when you're you're not ready to be in certain situations and you're thrust into it and you know it then you also have the quick memory that you have to have when you do make mistakes and i think that's hard to have when you're a younger player Um, like Owen Power is, and and you know, like lori I agree. He's gonna have ups and downs, just like Patra. Like all those young players Hmm. have the peaks and valleys in their year. There's no doubt about it. Um, and you know, here's a question about the back end again for the the Bruins. Please tell me what Shattenkirk brings to the table from uh, at three guy boys on Twitter, Mick. What does Shattenkirk bring to the table?
2: Uh, reliable puck movement out of his own zone. Uh, he can quarterback a power play. Um, he's not a reliable defender in difficult matchups. I would not match him up. If, you, if Shattenkirk, if you have injuries and Shattenkirk is in a top four, is in a top four matchup situation against – that'll be very temporary. Forwards, uh, <laughs> then speed is going to be a problem yeah. and physicality is going to be a problem. Yeah. So his value to the Bruins is when they have the puck. He's pretty smart without it. He actually is a very, very shrewd, uh, very, very studious player. Um, He stuck around despite a lack of size and a lack of speed uh, for a good reason. He's a smart and skilled uh, player who plays to his strengths. And um, the the fortunate thing for the Bruins is, is that he seems to read the room well and understand what he can get away with and what he can't. Um, so uh, I can understand the theory. They know they needed with less run support for Almar and Swayman that they were going to have to have a better power play this year, a more consistent one. And that's clearly one of the reasons why you got a guy like Shattenkirk instead of a guy like Clifton playing as your third right shot behind McAvoy and Carlo. So that that's really what that's all about. Ian Mitchell uh, is is basically a younger version of the same kind of player. With yep. offensive upside, um, with defensive uh, liability, uh, and but but they figured it's better for a guy in the back nine than a than a kid who's barely ready for the show. Yeah. Uh, so so um, you know, and given the state of their team, uh, that was
1: the decision.
2: It's a short term solution,
1: and I don't think it's I think it's working out. No, no, I think it's fine. And it was like, like, let's face it. It was fiscal more than anything else. The decision uh, with Connor Clifton, it wasn't about style of play, whatever it, they weren't going to pay him the amount of money he was going to get from Buffalo. Right. And they wanted to bring somebody in on a one year, very short money deal. And that's what they got with Kevin Chattenkirk. Uh, And he does bring some things to the table that they definitely uh, needed more of in depth in, but like, you can't have enough veteran defensemen as far as I'm concerned. And he's like, He's an asset in the right situation. And certainly uh, when you have a bunch of capable defensemen, he's a good guy to have around. Like when you get into a pinch uh, where you do need somebody to step up into a top four defenseman role for a very short term of time. He can take it for a while. Of course he can. He can do it for a few games. And he did that earlier this year when all the defensemen went down and he played a couple of games over 20 minutes. Uh, He's been there before. He's done that uh, for most of his career. So he's able to do it in short bursts. I just don't, he's not obviously going to be able to do that over a long haul. Um, But, you know, to your point, I think he, he, you know, brings poise with the puck. He brings a guy that is capable on the man advantage uh, and is going to just help uh, keep things moving. Like he, you know, if you get into a playoff battle with a team like Florida where you need puck movers, he's probably going to help you, you know, in a, in a playoff setting. Um, given that he's also got a tons of a playoff experience too. I think all that stuff is going to help. So I, you know, I like what he brings, but he's, he's a bottom, he's a $1 million a year player uh, on a bottom pairing role. Like, you know, let's, let's manage our expectations on what you think you're going to get out of Kevin Shattenkirk. I think he's done perfectly fine so far, uh, given his job description and and what you need out of him. Um, These, uh, these people, these, they are people, not machines. They will have good games and occasional bad games. Twelve, one, and two best winning percentage in the NHL. Maybe Monty should be riding the referees for the awful officiating, and our best player won't be doing it for him. And in the penalty box, and that's from Brian Hancock. Um, so clearly, he doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, he didn't approve of the bag skate. It sounds like. Uh, and, and Monty should be going after the officials, and he did. He, a couple games ago, they got a bench minor because Monty was uh, giving it to the the refs. Not he didn't do it Greg Cronin style, uh, where he ended up getting fined and uh, it became uh, he got thrown out of the game. I thought that was hilarious to watch. And knowing Crow, I thought it was really funny, um, just seeing his reactions on the bench that led to it. Uh, but, you know, Monty's, uh, I think, savvy enough and, and poised enough that he knows as a coach what he can say and what he can't say. And he's trying to get his message across that he didn't like the calls there. Um, but, you know, to his credit, too, uh, like a good coach, he was accountable for it afterwards, saying that, you know, he, they that they lost their composure on the bench a little bit when they got yeah, that and a, took responsibility he, yeah. for it.
2: He did a great job of staying away from that stuff and talking about where his team fell short. I thought he did it. Uh, after detroit i thought he did it after montreal two games where i really found the officiating to be annoying and um and i i think right now there's a league-wide frustration and i and i think that it might be misdirected to be completely at the officials and i think the league has an issue here because every year starts with an emphasis penalty or a pet penalty and and in the the, in the ramifications fallout of the pet penalty theory is is that the rest of the rule book gets completely forgotten (laughs) and you can do anything else in a game if the officials are not feeling embarrassed and and uh and there's and the the league seems to need to revise its theory on pet penalty versus uh rule book overall versus uh what we're going to do now um how consistent our games are. I just don't feel like there's a good uh, synergy going on right now between the league and its refs. And the, I think that I have all the respect for the refs, even though you'd never think so by listening to me on, on Twitter, but, uh, but it, not late, not this season. I've been kind of nuts, but I, but it really, I just think that they, they, they have a, a mandates and direction directives. And, uh, and I also still think there needs to be an eye in the sky for the obvious ones that get missed because in the course of all their checkoffs and necessary methods, it's possible for things to happen in a hockey game that somebody who's just following the puck and isn't responsible for anything is going to see. And they're not,
1: of course. Uh, And, oh, that happens at every level. There's absolutely, there's so much happening on the ice. You can't possibly see everything that's going on. How could you not
2: see that? There's no way. It's very easy to not see one thing if you're responsible for everything. That's right. Um, In fact, all the things that could happen and don't happen because you had to be there to make sure that you saw it in case it did. And that's part of officiating.
1: And and I feel like one of the pet things this year is actually part of the reason McAvoy got whacked with the four games is I think the headshot thing has been one of the – one of the points of emphasis they've been looking at, um, and trying to make
2: that point of emphasis.
1: Try, yeah, trying to make a big statement on that, um, you know, to continue to to come down on those kind of hits where the, the head is getting targeted. And I think yeah, that I mean,
2: coming right after the Lias Anderson one in Calgary, which yeah. was ridiculous, he flailed at that guy. You could see that he had yes. lined up and was going for him at the blue line, and and. You know, and because he was going for an empty net when the game was over and he and he, he sticks out a chicken wing yep. and he makes sure he gets them. And yep. uh that that to me, you know, for McAvoy to come only a week after that or less than a week after that and, and get the same suspension, uh because because he didn't go straight through. You know, they ask an awful lot of guys when they're making missile hits. It's just how law the missile hit. If you now don't want to, if you want to tell, go like, oh, you are almost. Uh, Mick, don't you go there. I don't, this, guess, Mick, I don't want this, Mick. I don't want Mick.
1: I do, Mick. Play. I do not want this to turn into the NFL, where like every good hit is penalized. Please do not say it's, that. It's, like, it's we're not getting, doing
2: that. It's getting to a point where where you have to be uh, lucky in order to have a clean hit.
1: Yeah, I can't watch football anymore because everything that used to be like a good play is a penalty now, and it is yeah. it, infuriating to watch. It's really difficult to watch and. I do not want hockey to get to that point. I want hockey to be safe for everybody. I obviously don't want anybody to have concussions, um, but I think there's a level of physicality in hockey that has to remain, or it's not hockey anymore. And I really would be concerned to continue to walk down that path, but I know what you mean. It's like, you know, it's hard to make players walk this tightrope of, of playing fast playing physical, but not going over the edge. But you know, I think what every once in a while you will and you get slapped on the wrist, but if you're like McAvoy um, and you have a history of not doing that, I think you're going to be fine. You're going to go back to the player you were before um, and, and be able to play that way uh, and you know just go back to, to making clean shoulder checks uh, into other players that are just big body contact hits that change momentum in games. I did think it was interesting, though, in McAvoy's first game back from the suspension, he had zero hits in that game. Uh, and thought, it was
2: obvious watching the game. I didn't even yeah. look at the stat. I knew it. He played yep. the puck the whole night. He just played position, and he and he went out of his way not to be involved in that yep. regard. And that's yep. unfortunate because because uh, he is a guy who whose whose ability to hit is a tremendous asset, um, almost like Scott Stevens. Not quite in that league, but definitely yep. uh, reminiscent thereof.
1: No, but in this generation, he's the that kind of version of that. You know, like he's the closest thing to a player that could play that way now is is sort of the way he plays with, you know, the physicality being a, a momentum shifter and being a big statement thing. And that's one of his biggest signature thing, I think s- signature things, I think, on the ice is is throwing big hits like that. Um, so I think as time goes on and as it gets removed from the four game suspension, that will come back. But I definitely felt like, his first game back, he was thinking about it. And you could see very visibly on the ice, he was thinking about it. Um, All right. Last question here. Hags, the Bees do really well mentoring D-man. Carlo and McAvoy with Chara. Lowry getting shifts with both these guys, but they seem to not support their forwards as much. Matt Patra has been pretty quiet away from support of stronger line mates. I get that forward is a different game, but how do the Bees better support young forwards? I'm thinking of, and here we go. uh, Here we go in the way back machine, Mick. I'm thinking of Spooner, Coco, and countless others that were skilled forwards and bad fits for bottom six work and never got traction. And that's from uh, Joseph Stucker, uh, who was also on the the Substack chat last night. Um, I, I and I answered this last night. Like when you mention guys like Spooner and Coco, it really doesn't register with me because they're like playing in the KHL right now and granted they're both doing really well in the KHL but it's they didn't stick in the NHL and you know Anders Bjork didn't really stick around and do much impact wise and there's like a list of players that were prospects for the Bruins that you know never really panned out and it was less about the way they were treated or where who they were skating with at the NHL level and it was more that they just weren't NHL players you know there's a there's a litany of these guys really the only guy I look at now um they kind of went through the bruins and went on and and stuck around um that i think you know was a player that they could have held on to was frank Vetrano. like he's been a pretty good player where he's been he shot his
2: town,
1: he did but like he's he's still been continued to be a, a goal scorer a guy that bruins would love to there. have the
2: player that he's become yeah i think it took the move i took it took multiple rejections from other teams in order for him to become the player he did, similar to Riley Smith. Yeah. Riley Smith uh you know, wound up carrying the Stanley Cup last year because he realized you gotta go through the gates of hell to get it. Yeah. And and uh and he and he became a hard player. And it took him a long time to get there. Vertrano has actually done it more quickly than Riley Smith did. And uh but Vertrano uh had the had the uh the attitude and the mouth long before he had the game but he's got himself fitter he got himself uh faster and uh and and, and he plays with an edge and and that's not what the bruins had when they had him they just had a kid who thought he was all that in a bag of chips when he was here and he wasn't now when you say coco and spooner those are centermen skilled centermen comparing Patra to those guys no Potra goes in the corners and competes right Patra wins pucks Potra holds on the pucks potter makes plays potter gets takes the physical contact spooner tried to skirt it with his 10 to two uh, skates and and coco generally was also a guy who tried to slither through the game or around the game uh is a better way to put it and i didn't feel like either one of those guys uh you know could play on their own potter no. has shown a lot of signs that he can develop into a self-standing player and help other players be better this is not about that this is this you know, although those concerns may come to the fore but they certainly don't rel- relate and i would never compare potter to those two guys
1: no i wouldn't either and and like spooner was a perimeter player um that was the the biggest knock on him is just he would stay to the outside he wasn't going to get involved anywhere around the net coco was a tweener coco was not big enough strong enough or fast enough to play at the nhl level like he was one of those guys that was very effective at the AHL level. But then when you put him up in the NHL, he could not do it. He didn't have any of the qualities that you needed uh, in any of those categories that were up to NHL caliber. And he was another one that I think thought he was, you know, similar to Vetrano, like thought he deserved all these chances and all these things happening for him when he didn't, he never really earned it uh, at the NHL level. But as far as Potra is concerned, I have no problem with him being in sort of a pseudo third-line center role right now with guys like DeBrusk and Heinen or Morgan geeky when he comes back. Cause they have chemistry. Um, and I, I think, you know, Patrice Bergeron was a third line player when he first came up with the Bruins. Like, I think that's a fine place to put a 19 year old that's trying to make his way in the NHL and to, and to he your point, to your point, yeah. to your point, like, I think he shows a lot of qualities that are going to keep him in the NHL for a long time. Speaking of Patra um, much more so than any of these other sort of also rands or other players that, Came through as prospects, but never really stuck in the National Hockey League for a, a multitude of reasons. So, uh, you know, I, 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 Patra, I'm perfectly fine with the way they've developed him and how they're using him. I don't have any issues at all with that.
2: The other guy you would just remind me of when you brought up Coco was back from 20 years ago, uh, when Bergeron was a rookie, was Sergei Zinoviev. Yeah, the uh, the Russian uh, center uh, who went to Providence and complained that the khl was better than the ahl what is he <laughs> doing there and and you know and and he wound up becoming a very successful khl player yeah but um you know that you know and he had a good career over there not a spectacular one but a very good one yeah um but he wasn't ready for this and and he didn't understand I, that's where i got to give pasta credit because pasta you know, didn't wasn't acclimated at all to the North American game when he came over. Um, and and yet uh and he toughed it out and it took him a while to get it. And now look at him. So God bless him.
1: Yep. And you know, I'll give uh Spooner and Coco their flowers. They are leading scorers on their KHL teams right now and have been for a few years on whatever teams they're playing for. So they're finding success in the KHL. They just were not uh nhl players they were good people and, and good hockey players just not good enough to play in the best hockey league in the world and, and make an impact all right mick thank you very much uh for joining this mailbag episode of the pucks with hags podcast let's thank our sponsors one more time factor meals america's number one ready to eat meal kit uh helps you if you're on the go and you're super busy meals ready in two minutes uh healthy delicious meals uh they and they're environmentally conscious too they offset 100 percent of their delivery emissions uh with renewable electricity for production sites and offices and sustainably sourced seafood in their meals. So they, they do the good things uh, for the environment as well as having delicious food. Head to factomeals.com slash HAGS50 and use code HAGS50 to get 50% off your first box. And of course, of course, FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. Uh bet on spreads, player props, over-unders, so much more. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about jumping on FanDuel and getting some bets now that the NFL and the NHL are going and the NBA, go watch Victor Wembiyama, all seven foot six of them with the San Antonio Spurs. You know, bet some bet some uh, player props on him. Uh, go for it. Visit fanduel.com slash Boston and kick off all of the winter sports seasons that are in full effect right now. Mick, thank you very much for joining uh, me. Everybody, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you at the ring.